Hey, Taco Tuesday fans, this is Christian Brindle. And I am Glenn Shelton. We came together and it combined our forces to create something special for insurance agents called Taco Tuesday. Let's talk about insurance. My company, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, and my company, Lead Heroes, is here to bring you the latest and greatest news happening in the insurance industry today and eat some tacos while we do it. If you enjoy the content that we put out on this podcast, feel free to leave us a review or subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Without further ado, let's get into this episode of Taco Tuesday. What's up, Taco Tuesday, Arnold? We're back with another episode. Um, My name is Christian Brindle. He's Glenn Shelton. And um, this is Taco Tuesday. Let's talk about insurance. It's pretty early, you guys. We are pre-recording. As you know, we're kind of pre-lunch. So although I believe we're both sans, are you sans tacos today as well? I am. am. But but I am. I do have um, some retro bro. Dutch Bros Coffee. You know, I've been getting it today's, every morning. I probably spent ep- $500 on it. Today's episode is sponsored by Dutch Brothers. <laughs> what, what's your go-to? What, I'm curious. While, we, while we're on camera here, what's your go-to coffee order? All right. So it depends on where I go. Like if I go to okay. Starbucks, I yeah. want a caramel macchiato every time. Iced or hot? Iced. I, 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 it, it, it's like 20 degrees out right now. And I get, I'm getting iced coffee. Like we are so opposite. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I like and drink hot coffee, but like it's coffee. I don't like it unless it's like coffee. I, I make myself and I put, and I put cream in it and that kind of stuff. And like, I, I'm weird like that, but, but like a Dutch bros, I get this thing called the golden Eagle. And it's like, um, it's, it's gone now, but it's It's like a caramel macchiato, but it's different. It's like, lighter coffee you know it's got some cream if you had if you had to pick between dutch brothers and starbucks which one would you typically pick right now dutch bros because i'm into it but like i'll probably two months from now i'll probably switch over to beans and brews and then i'll switch back to starbucks like i jump all over the place like i i was into mcdonald's coffee for a while because it was like a dollar yes and then after drinking it for like a month straight i'm like this is this tastes like mucus (laughs) 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 so i stopped getting it Their ice McDonald's iced coffee is actually surprisingly good. I had a, yeah, I had a, a, a long kick where I was drinking that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm on the opposite of this, but like it, I could be in Phoenix, which as many of you know, I grew up in Phoenix. Uh, it could be a hundred degrees, which it often is a hundred or more. And I'm getting hot coffee because I, and this is my theory, you guys, for the record, before we get into Taco Tuesday, let's talk about it. Um, I believe hot water absorbs into your body better. So I feel like the caffeine, I feel like it, the coffee hits me different when it's hot versus when I drink it cold. This, that could be just like my own personal antidote. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. I think teach their own, right? Like it's interesting about Dutch bros. Cause my assistant was telling me the other day, cause I, I, she saw me walking in with it like day after day after day. She's like, what's, what is up with you? Like, and then she's like, she's like, 
you know, they're like a really old company, right? And they're just having a resurgence. And like, you know, there's this whole retro yeah. thing going on with like, you know, the nostalgia of it. I'm like, I thought it was like a brand new company. Bro, it's an Oregon company, bro. Really? Yeah, dude. It started in, Southern, started in Southern Oregon. <laughs> wow. And when, I, when I first moved to Oregon, it wasn't as big as it is now. And I was like a huge snob. I went through the same kind of thing you did where like, I was like, oh, you're drinking Starbucks. I was like, oh, shame on you. And I would like only drink Dutch Bros. Now, like I never go to Dutch Bros. I'm almost always going to Starbucks when I go get coffee. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a thing where like, you know, you, you go through phases, you get tired of something, you have to bounce to something else. Like I have a yep. client that runs a badass coffee here. And that's like the name of it. Badass coffee. Oh, I thought you were just saying badass. No, it's just the name of it. It's called Badass Coffee. It's like a it's a franchise apparently. And I was going to get, I was going to support her for a little while because like they have four policies with me or something like that. They have like a they have an ACA plan with me. They have life insurance with me. They have dental with me, and they have a cancer plan with me. And so I was like, I love you. And so I was going to get- <laughs> take my money. But like take their cup, their coffees were like eight bucks a cup. Wow. Which I'm like, coffee, bro. I'm like, and it was it was good, but it wasn't that good. It's an eight dollar. It's good. So I stopped going, and I still try to drop in every now and then. But yeah, I go all over the place. I love I love me some sugar filled iced coffee. Low key, this is the last thing I'll say about coffee. I know there's probably some people watching or listening at this point. They're like, are they just going to talk about coffee for the next thirty minutes? Yeah, hour. there was this little coffee stand I used to go to by my house. It was like a non-branded, just, you know, sole proprietor coffee stand. And the lady that owns it, she was driving a Tesla around. And I just remember every time I would go, I'd be like, I need to own a coffee stand one day. I'm like, clearly this lady is making money. I love it. I love small businesses, dude. I think it's awesome. When I was a new agent, I had all these dreams that I was going to buy all these businesses when I was like 21, 22, and it might still happen. We'll see. But, um, it will, but one of my, one of my dreams was I wanted to buy, I was, I was used to say, I wanted to buy a coffee shop or, you know, start a coffee shop or something like that. Like not, not be an insurance, but do that too. And, um, I realized that insurance is kind of time consuming, but <laughs> is it <laughs> a little bit, but a little bit, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, one of these days, man, I might start up a franchise of some sort, you know, I don't know. I'm in, dude. Six, Maybe figure, six figure coffee. Six figure coffee. Tacos and coffee. Hundred grand coffee. Hundred grand coffee. <laughs> Every <laughs> There's gold flakes in your coffee, sir. Yeah. Joy. It's, to- it's toxic, so you don't actually drink it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Pour it out. But <laughs> that'll be a hundred K, sir. <laughs> So, so we, we have, we have an amazing topic today and, um, you know, I want to, I want to make sure we have as much time to talk about it as possible. Yes. It's a big one. And it was, it was a topic that you brought up, you know, you thought it would be a good idea to discuss. It, and I thought it like, it's perfect. Cause it's something that I think we both see and deal with all the time consistently. Um, yes. and that's what successful agents do to manage their time. Yes. The opposite, like, and, and what is the differentiation there? Because I feel like time management is a huge determination of how successful someone's going to be and like how yes. valuable they take their time. And like, everybody thinks they're good with their time, but how many people really are? I have like 
I feel guilty every day about my time, right? Like I'm always thinking like, what could I have done more? Or what did I do that I shouldn't have done? Um, and, you know, for better or for worse. So I think it is, it is one of those things that we're like, I think time management is a direct correlation with how successful or how much money you're going to earn as a business owner, as an insurance agent, um, as an agency owner. I mean, you can't, like, again, as an agency owner, you can't spend, just like a quick example here, you guys, like, if you were trying to scale a team, you can't also spend all of your time selling insurance. Like, you have to spend some of, like, it's, that's really simple. And I say that because again, one of the eight, one, the, one of the first agencies that I was a part of when I first got my license, um, the, the, the very first manager I had, he was great. He actually spent all of his time on the team. Okay. And very, very rarely would he meet with a client. And usually it was like annuity cases, right? Like he was, and, and I thought he managed his time pretty well. He then leaves and the next agency owner or manager that comes in, complete opposite. He is almost exclusively selling insurance as the manager and spending very little time with the team, coaching, training. Um, And so again, that's just a quick example of how you manage your time is going to affect your success, your day-to-day, different results, right? Those two people I just mentioned, very different results on on how they're spending their time and what it's going to turn into, right? One of them's really trying to build a team. The other one's really trying to build their own book, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, the show has kind of documented this pretty well since we've been doing it for a couple of years now. Um, but I, you could use me as an example for that. Yeah. Right? Like... I was somebody that to where, even though I have employees, I have an office, I have infrastructure, I didn't have enough to take enough off my schedule to where I was only having to do one thing in my business or something like that. Like I was for, for year for probably two years, I was heavily bringing on agents, training agents, working with agents, but I was also writing a lot of business. Like, so 2000, I'm going to share something with the audience here. Ooh. And I've told a couple people this on the phone and they're just like, that is insane. They're like, they're like, I feel bad for your, your wife and your kid, you know, like when I could, so it's the last year. So this year was the first year that I basically begun the process of stepping away from writing business. I'm still having to take on as needed, but we we're hiring people. We brought on agents and things like that. And they're, you right. know, they're, they're, they're working up and they're being trained. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm laying the groundwork to completely remove myself from the day-to-day of selling. Right. Um, but last year I wrote 350 new clients myself. Plus I was managing about 120 downline agents running two podcasts, two YouTube channels, running employees and office, the whole nine yards. Um, so I wrote 350 new apps, right? I had one month where I wrote that's 50. A, that's crazy, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, that's I wrote a lot. That's a lot on all sides. Yeah. Like, um, you know, and some, some people are like, we're so-and-so wrote 500. I'm like, yeah, but all they're doing is writing. Like if I was only writing at this point in my career, knowing what I know, having the infrastructure and the tools and resources that I have, I think I could do that. That doesn't sound that hard to me. 
Like yep. in, in May, I wrote 52 new apps in one month and I documented it. I made a YouTube video about it. Anybody can go find it. Um, and, and I was, and again, really, really fast. You guys, just a reminder, the average Medicare agent writes five apps a year. Yes. Right. I'm just want to make, I just want to put that out there really fast too. It's like yeah. when you're, when you're trying to like, what's a baseline comparison for what Christian's talking about? Well, the average Medicare agent is going to probably do less than 10 apps all year, including AEP. Okay. And, so. and, and I don't bring that up to like brag or anything. Right. I'm more bringing it up to say last year was a hellish year for me. Like yeah. you and I talked, I mean, it, what, it sounds great. It wasn't great for me. Right. You know, like the company did really well, but I was considering quitting last year a couple of times. Like I was just not happy. I was not having fun. Burned I, out. Totally. Like yeah. all the time. Um, I was work basically, I was always working, always, always, always working. It felt like, you know, I'd be at home late at night and I'd be on my phone, answering messages, emails, things like that, taking phone calls. My wife got really frustrated with me a bunch of times. Like I should probably interview her about this. Um, that would be awesome. And it's not to say that that stuff still doesn't happen. Occasionally. Maybe I should interview your wife. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make this happen. Um, yeah. But a well, wives talking. podcast, bro. Our wives just talking about us being workaholics. Yeah. <laughs> but like I was working 80, 90 hours a week all year yeah. round, basically. Like it's just, it's, it's not something that was sustainable. Something had to give, you know, and um, a lot of people were like, well, you're not writing business anymore. You should still write business to be sharp. I'm like, you don't understand what I was having to do on a day-to-day basis, right? Like I need less tasks on my plate. Um, and I couldn't agree more with what you said there, because I feel like most people can't do that even for a year. Like I did, um, and nor should they want to, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just lucky that I'm not like divorced or something right now, you know, like, cause it was, it was a hard year internally for my, for my family, for me, um, you know, People see me go off on somebody in the Facebook group. It's probably because I'm tired and I'm in a bad mood and I'm cranky, you know, like he hasn't had, he hasn't had dinner yet. <laughs> yeah. He's a hungry boy. Sleep last night, but tired and hungry, but I couldn't agree more with that because to really scale and grow a company for you, the founder, the agency owner in your business, you have to, and, and Glenn is probably the person that's taught me this as much as anybody you know, just through getting to know him, how many times would we talk on the phone and you're like, dude, you're doing too many things on a day. Yeah. 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 Every time, every time we talk. (laughs) Yeah. This year, you know, and I've always hired people and kind of, you know, so it's not like I'm doing everything in my office on a day-to-day basis. Like I have employees and staff and things like that, but we've hired a lot more staff this year. We brought on more people. We're building out the infrastructure to where on most days, you know, minus give or take here and there, I'm not touching contracts. I'm not talking to new clients. I'm not talking to old clients. Sometimes I have to talk to old clients. There's only, there's some situations where it's just absolutely have to, but it's few and far between now. Um, the company is kind of like a well-oiled, it's, it's, it's growing into a well-oiled machine where I'm not as needed for a lot of the day-to-day stuff. What I'm needed to do is bring in new agents train the existing agents, you know, do webinars and trainings and promotions and things like that and handle the marketing internally. That's what I feel like 
if you really want to take the next jump in your company, you have to figure that out. And I think that comes with time management about finding where you're most valuable in your business and doing only that. You know, going back to that and now, you know, because again, you're, you're kind of touching on the same thing, the analogy of, you know, writing business versus growing your team. On the short term, one of those is going to have a significantly higher ROI and it's not growing the team. That's a, that's a negative ROI. <laughs> you're going to lose time. You're going to lose money. I was just talking to an agency owner this week and he was, he had just met with his CPA and he was kind of talking to me about his year. And he was talking about how um, he actually, uh, his, his top line revenue, his gross revenue was 50% higher in 2021 versus 2020, right? Huge jump. But then his bottom line was 30% less. And that's the sort of squeeze that happens from growing your team, growing your company, growing your business, focusing on training, focusing on bringing in new agents. So he worked more. He brought in significantly more money, but he actually was less profitable. But long-term, that could change. Long-term, obviously the goal for him, I guarantee it, is to take that, that gross, that top line, continue to have it grow, but then have the margin grow with it and have that bottom line continue to grow. And so I think that's where it's really hard is, is that, that uncomfortable growth, that, that negative ROI, that loss of time, that loss of money when it, when it comes to growth and, and that growth mindset. And that's why I feel like a lot of agents end up just focusing on production. They just keep selling. They just keep selling because it's hard. To, it's really hard to do. It's hard to completely jump out and jump in. But the reality is, is if you can figure it out, there's way more money long-term, right? In growing a team, growing an agency. I think it also comes with like, there's levels to this. Right. Right. So like, I, I want to say this and I won't spend a lot of time in it, but I know somebody will listen to this and they'll be like, I have 20 apps under my belt and I need to grow a team. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Don't. I'm glad you brought this up. You yeah. don't. You just yeah. don't. Okay. Like. I said something recently where I'm like, I think if you have, this might be harsh, so I'm going to adjust my number. But I, I told somebody recently, I think if you've written less than a thousand clients, you probably shouldn't recruit anybody. Um, but I would even adjust that to 500. Yeah. You know, I think. I mean, you need I, yeah. To- I was going to ask, us, but I was going to say, what do you think specifically before someone starts recruiting or growing a team? And so you kind of, you beat me to it. I don't, I don't know what the sweet spot is. And I think it is, it varies for everybody. Yes. But if, if you've been selling for less than a year, if you've been, you know, if you have less than a hundred clients, I mean, there's a lot of things that I can tell you right now where I know for a fact, you're not ready, right? Like, um, obviously it, it starts, it's a, it's a, it's a moving target. It's a variable based on that person for sure. I mean, I, I mean, for me, I just think about myself as a new agent, right? And I was a, I was a bad boy in year two, three, four, right? Like I knew I was really good, but would I have been able to bring somebody else on and teach them and work with them and still, and would it, would it have hurt my business? Yes, it would have. Um, 
one thing, like in my early years, you know, being the downline of my dad's agency, he didn't let me recruit. He wouldn't let me do it. Um, and I'm, I'm, when I look back at it, I'm glad he didn't. Right. Cause it would have hurt me long-term. A hundred percent. I, my advice to an agent, if anybody wants it is if you want to be successful and you're listening to this as a new agent, put all of your energy, time, and focus into picking one niche, master that one niche and getting as big of a book of business as you possibly can and worry about nothing else. Um, I'm not saying that you can't recruit and do that kind of stuff later because I did, but I didn't start, I didn't recruit my first agent until I was in year six. And I think that is the best way to do it because you have a book of business established. You have revenue coming in. You might have one or two people working for you. It's not going to feel as much of a workload, right? Like I would say one agent is probably as much work as a hundred clients. I really yeah. believe that. I really, yeah. really believe that. Yeah, um, I know you do. <laughs> and, and, and I think there, there's no money in recruiting unless you're bringing on hundreds of agents, if not 500 to a thousand agents at a time, because 90% of them are not going to do anything, no matter how, what you do for them. Um, and I think that's just, I think that's an important thing for people to hear. Yeah. Downline agents specifically, every 10 that you recruit, every 10 that you contract, chances are only one will end up producing on a daily or weekly basis. And that's been proven time and time again in the industry. And I've talked to so many uplines, FMOs, IMOs, call centers. There's always exceptions to the rule, but that's the general rule is that about 10% or less will ever actually produce on a consistent basis. Um, I want to jump into, you know, before we get too far into this and we're running, you know, before we run out of time, um, I like how this conversation has started, but I also want to talk about specifically some of the distractions, some of the red herrings, some of the things that we watch these agents on a day-to-day basis go down these rabbit holes where it's like almost puzzling to us, where it's like, why are you spending your time? And, and this is, you know, we got, we kind of talked a lot about on the agency owner side, but I also want to talk just like individual independent agents distractions, time wasters. Like I want to talk about what we're seeing um, consistently in among these agents, you know, and I want you to start. Why don't you go ahead? Tell, tell me something that you're seeing that puzzles you. There's so many things. I'm I saying. know there's a lot. Start, <laughs> start with one. <laughs> I mean, the, I will, the CRM thing is one that we've already done a whole episode about, so I won't yes. touch on that, but that's one. Yes. Um, I think there, um, I, I think, Agents obsessing over their commission is another. And what I mean by that is like, I'm not telling people you shouldn't look into seeing what your commission is or something like that. You know, like, because you want to be aware relatively, right, of what you're paid. You want to make sure that you're getting the contract that you should be getting. You want to make sure you're not accidentally contracted as an LOA and you didn't know it, you know. Oh, Lord. All that stuff. So disclaimers. But there's plenty of agents out there that they do more time analyzing their commission than they do writing business. Yep. And that, and that is insanity to me. So I have people that will come to me for a super, like they'll come to me for some kind of product line that they've never written one policy for. 
And they're like, all of a sudden, you know, it's a rush and it's super urgent that they get their commission schedule like immediately. They're like, I need to know what my commission schedule is on X product, or maybe it's one of our GAs. And they're like, I need to know what my override is on the X product. Um, and I'm like, well, you haven't written anything yet. So I'm like, are you planning on writing something? I'm like, I, what, what is the urgency, right? Like, cause there's so many times where that request comes through and we provide it. But like, we have to dig it up and send it to you. And you know what I mean? It's some work on our end, especially if there's a bunch of them, or those requests coming through all right. the time. It's work for your FMO. It's work for your IMO to do that stuff. And then you never end up writing any business with it. It's like, what was the point of all that? Right. What was the point of I, I think, I think the, the thing that you just described, I think it's an epidemic on the life side of the business where I can't even tell you how many agents get so focused on the percentage they're being paid on every single application where they will spend weeks or months talking to recruiters, IMOs, FMOs. <laughs> hey, I've got a 120 on this, on this contract with Foresters. You know, can you give me 125? And and we're and like the reality is, is that five percent and the hundred hours that that agent spends shopping trying to find that five percent is worth essentially zero if they had spent that hundred hours. And like this is not, I'm not making I swear I'm not making this up. It sounds crazy when I'm saying like it sounds crazy to even say this. But if they had spent that 100 hours trying to sell insurance on a 120 instead of trying to find that 125 contract and then start selling, they would have made a ton more money. You know, the, the saying that I always see among a lot of these life insurance recruiters um, or uplines is, you know, 125% of zero is still zero. <laughs> so it's like you're, yeah. you're chasing, chasing that it. commission. Yeah. I just can't. I've seen so many agents make a ton of money on on low contracts, and so that's like you're kind of you're putting the cart before the horse. I think that's a that's another great saying. It's like get the production, guys. Once you have a few hundred thousand in production, at that point, yeah, let's talk about commission levels. Spend a hundred hours talking to uplines about commission levels. Don't come into the industry and either as a new agent. Or after selling for a few months, start shopping everybody and spending all this. What a waste of your time and money and energy. It's just crazy. It's really right. crazy. It's, it's insanity to me. Like there's people that come to us and they're like, I need to know what my override is on this XYZ product. And it's a product they've never written. We barely write it, right? It's just like this soup. It's, it's this relatively obscure product. And it might be on like a med sup or something, right? And like the difference of override is possibly like maybe a person, one, maybe two points, right? Like, so for every hundred dollars of premium that that person's writing, if they have one point higher than what they, or whatever the case might be, it's literally a dollar for every hundred dollars of premium you're writing. That's right. the difference. And, th- and right. people will spend 10, 15 hours on this, um, 20 hours trying to figure this out. And like, yep. and you know, sometimes people will come to me on some of these contracts that maybe we don't do a lot of business with. And I'm like, I don't, I couldn't, I don't even know what my override is on that off the top of my head. You know why? Cause I don't care. I don't yeah. write it. You're probably not going to write it. Right. Like, 
I'd understand that's if you the, did the key I'd point, if you 10, 15 apps. Yeah. The, the key point that you made there that I think I want to emphasize for any listeners or anyone watching this is when, when he broke down how that percentage is essentially the equivalent of like a dollar or a couple dollars per app. So it's like on one hand, the agent is trying to justify that higher commission level because they're thinking I'm going to get paid more money. But the reality is, is that higher commission level is not actually worth nearly what just writing an extra client would be worth, right? One extra client would be worth a hundred of this tiny little bump you're trying to get. And not that it's not justified down the road, you know, maybe it would be, if, you know, once you're talking about a thousand clients, that little percent might be worth more, but on an individual basis, it's really not worth anything on a dollar level. And that 5% on life contracts that everybody tries to chase, it's the same thing. You're talking about penny. You're stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. Mm-hmm. You're literally stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. I really, this one drives me nuts, dude. That's like a big, it. that's a and, big one. And I, and I, I, I feel like the message is going to get misconstrued because I do think it's a good idea to know what your comp, you know, what your commission. Oh yeah, is, relatively right, but like you know, at least have an idea of what you're looking at, like. If you put me on the spot right now and said, okay, Christian, you guys have 35 contracts or 40 contracts, which probably is pretty realistic at this point. Um, and you had me go through every single one and tell me what my override is on every single one of them. I could tell you what the big boys are. I know those. I, I deal with those every day practically, right? But some of the others, I probably know roughly, but right. it's going to get a little fuzzier at that point. because. I don't get, I mean, my, my time is not best spent obsessing over a couple of points or something, you know, or, or, you know, having my, my overrides memorized or something like that. Um, I, I just don't understand. And, and the other, the other thing I wanted to mention that I think goes with this, I know we're short on time, but um, one last topic, and I wanted to get your thought on this as well, that I think relates to this is agents that spend tons of time all the time obsessing over checking their commission statements with a fine tooth comb and making sure that there's nobody missing. And then if they feel like there is somebody missing or they didn't get paid on it, they, 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 they go on this wild goose chase. They have their upline go on a wild goose chase. A lot of times it ends up, they ended up getting paid on it after all. Right. Um, and it's just a waste of everybody's time, right? Like, and, and I always tell people this, I, I have a pretty big operation at this point, right? We're, 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 we've right. grown a lot. We have a lot of clients. We have a lot of commission that comes in ourselves internally. We have overrides that come in. Like there's stuff coming in from all different directions, it seems like. Um, and w- there's probably all kinds of stuff that we miss, <laughs> but it's not worth it to obsess over it and spend all this time on it, we'd probably just rather get, get more business, right? Like, let me, let me kind of clarify, because I totally agree with everything you're saying, but I want to offer some clarity. And, and this yeah. is, again, this is just in line with like the comp conversation we just had. It's not that getting the best comp isn't important. It is. You should try to get your best comp and understanding what your comp is, is also important. We're not saying that it's just the time wasted when you're trying to navigate that. And this is the same thing. You should check your commission statements but if you are trying to go through every single commission statement, every single time you get it, 
I think your time would be much better spent if you did that, like maybe it's once a quarter, right? Maybe once a quarter, or maybe if you're a new agent and your book's really small, maybe you're doing it once a year. Exactly. You're going, you're going right, through like, it's time management. We're not saying don't do it. We're saying manage your time better and do it on a, a quarterly or a, you know, biannual basis. Yeah. And, and, and maybe you, maybe you pay someone to do that for you, you guys, maybe someone else is doing that for you because again, your time should be worth about two to $400 an hour, really minimum. And so if you're just pushing paper all day, what are you doing? What are you doing? You right. know? Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. I feel like some agents spend more time analyzing their commission statements than they do selling. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand what the thought process behind that is. I think it's because agents don't ask themselves a very important question. And that is how much is an hour of your time worth? People don't think that way. How much is an hour of your time worth? And every hour you give up or waste or lose, is costing you that amount of money. Can we like, as we're wrapping up here, can we rapid fire some additional, cause we've only gotten into a few, I mean, social yes, media, yes. right? I mean, yes, social media yes. is a huge time suck. Again, totally. you might think you're being benefit, you know, you're, you're using your time wisely. If you're like, well, I'm asking a question about a possible client. That's great. But you could also just call your carrier that you're trying to write that app with. They could do a health assessment over the phone with you and you can get a legitimate answer immediately. You don't need to be posting all over social media about, you know, oh, I've got a prospect I'm trying to sell and this is the situation. Um, I mean, what, what else? What's some other quick, quick ones? About social media, I always tell people like, um, people that are one man shows or don't have anybody like, you know, that work for them that maybe help them with their content creation and posting and things like that. Like um, if you're, if you, if you're like, let's say your upline's a one man show and they're posting on Facebook five to 10 times a day, your upline doesn't run any business. Their business yeah. is to post on Facebook and recruit you. Yeah. So let's take, I, Christian know, I know a few individuals right off the top of my head. When you say that. So let's take Christian Brindle into account because Christian Brindle posts a lot on Facebook, right? Christian Brindle has, virtual assistant with you guys, pretty much they post on every social media platform. I don't see LinkedIn posts. So if you message me on LinkedIn, it's not me. It's not me messaging you back. (laughs) I never see it most of the time. Um, Christian's Tinder profile, same way. That's not Christian. That's not me. (laughs) But like all these platforms, you know, like um, Facebook, it's probably going to be me. But not on our business pages, it won't be me. Right. Um, and, and then also, you know, I, the posts that go up, I'm not the one posting them. I'm not the one maybe designing the posts all the time. Um, when I post in the Facebook group, it's me, but I'm not posting it in real time. I'm not posting it at 1130 in the morning, in the middle of the day, I scheduled that post the night before when I had time. Yep. Right. So like, got to think about these things. There's a lot, you guys, and we're kind of running out of time here, but we, we could probably spend five hours going yes. through distractions. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> as kind of like I'll share some of my final thoughts and then we'll get final thoughts from Christian. But uh, another one that I'm going to share here, technology. OK, so Christian already mentioned CRMs, which kind of falls into this. But I'll see the question about 
you know, what tablet should I, that one comes up like every day. It's like, what tablet should I use to sell insurance or what computer should I buy? What phone do I need? It doesn't freaking really matter at the end of the day. Again, that's a distraction. That's a waste of your time. If you spend two months trying to shop through all your different options, thinking that if you get the right device, then you're going to be successful. That's right. Again, just another, another waste of your time. The shiny object syndrome, the squirrel syndrome, right? Like oh, squirrel, you know, like a, that's, there's a lot of agents like that short attention spans. I really think Christian said it best that the question that's not being asked enough is what is an hour of your time worth? And if you don't know, you need to really stop everything you're doing and, and figure out an answer to that question before you really do anything else. So that's, that's kind of my, my final thoughts on today's episode. You guys, Christian, final thoughts. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my verbiage on some of these things was super well articulated, but I would say, you know, just my, my final thoughts is like, hear what we're saying, go back and listen to this episode twice. If you need to, I'm not saying don't check your commission statements, but like Len said, check them quarterly or maybe even once a year, if you need to, whatever you got to do. Um, my, my staff internally does an audit every quarter of our commission. So we do do it, but outside of that, we're not looking at it. Um, how many, think how many carrier, like if you have 10 carriers and you're checking every single month and you're doing it with your own time and you're going through every, like, and then you have downline agents and you're going through your downline aid, like you're talking, it's a lot of time that you're spending. (laughs) Yep. hundred percent. Like, you know, and if you, if you're one of those people that you're contract happy, that's another time waster that we didn't get to just fill out every contract under the sun and you have like Christian Brindle needs 30 to 40 carriers. I'm a, I'm, I'm, ba- you know, our, our organization's basically a, a income, you know, it's a business writing operation, but we're also in the works of growing into an FMO. We need yeah. a lot of carriers, right? Like yeah. we need more and more as we come, but we pick them up as we need them. We don't just pick them up to pick them up. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, just make sure that you understand the message behind this. Cause I feel like, I feel like my words get misconstrued a lot. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm not communicating it properly, but understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't do any of these things. I'm saying don't obsess over them and, and make sure that they, the time you spend on them warrants what they're actually worth. And you're not, yes. and, and you're not spending more time on that than you are on income producing activities. I, I think that's, I think that's very clear. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> I understand, like, again, there's certain agents who might try to cherry pick, like, oh, well, Christian said, <laughs> yeah, Christian All said, don't, Christian said to not look at my commission. It's like, no, he didn't. This is time management. This whole topic today is time man- managing your time properly. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, I love this episode. I love this discussion. And um, we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode keep eating tacos, even though we're not, and um, make sure to keep writing business. And uh, we'll see you next week.